If you care about clean air, water, and food, and you want to see social justice for everyone, this podcast is for you. Green Divas Maxine Margot and Megan McWilliams and Green Dude Wayne Bouchard are going to dig in and try to make sense of the current political scene, especially as it relates to climate change, pollution, and human rights. We are not political pundits. We are deeply concerned citizens alarmed by the state of our government. We will try to offer rational commentary and solutions, amplifying positive news as often as possible. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the show. All right. Hey, welcome to another episode of GDP, which stands for Gross domestic politics <laughs> but it's really it's it's green divas politics but i or green dudes politics. or green dudes politics but um it's aka gross domestic pod politics i like that that's because we're all gross <laughs> because politics is gross it's like a dude thing you know, it's gross it's just, it's just gross man politics needs to take a shower okay <laughs> <laughs> it really does, actually. Something like that. It, it needs brainwashing. Yeah. So, wow, we we haven't talked to y'all since before the midterm elections. A lot has happened, and um, let's just introduce ourselves. I'm Green Diva Meg, and my unpundits with me here today are the unpundits. Uh, I'm Green Diva Max, and I'm the unpundit Wayne. Green dude, green dude Wayne. Green I dude. hate that. Why? Yeah. Okay, uh, then you're now Green Diva Wayne. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You I don't like that. That's worse. You just became a diva again. How but can you not be okay being a green dude? Yeah. Green is good, baby. I'm highly offended. I don't yeah. like being a dude. You don't like being a dude? I don't How like about being called a dude. Green guy? Dude. Green Come guy? On, dude. <laughs> No, okay. he's got to be a green dude. Uh, green man? That's not cool. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's he's, go. He's Wayne. He's Wayne. Anyway, so like what just happened? Max, you're going to give us a rundown good of thing, what we just well, witnessed? Well, you know, uh, with much trepidation before the midterms, uh, we can, I think, breathe a little better because we were very concerned about the checks and balances uh, or the lack thereof. And uh, after the midterm elections, um, we do have a check in place because the House results, um, 2018 midterm elections, uh, the Democrats are at 233. They got 38 seats. That's and a they lot. took over the House. The Republicans are at 201. They're minus 38, uh, which, okay, um, now... There's a check in place. There's there's a check in place. Uh, didn't get that in the Senate, although there's still an outstanding race, I think, in Mississippi, uh, which is very contentious. Uh, but the the Democrats um, are at 47 with an asterisk, and so it's minus two for them. And the Republicans have 52, which is a plus plus two. But uh, the House controls a lot. You know, while the Senate has certain powers, the House controls a lot. Uh, and then there were governorships and state, you know, legislative state offices that were, uh, you know, done. But we won't talk about the state ones other than the governors. The results were the Democrats, uh, they have 23 governorships. That's plus seven. Uh, the Republicans have 27, but a minus six. So we flipped some things around, which is a good thing. 
I mean, I think. <laughs> so maybe we're starting to feel our oats. So according to a Pew Research Center uh, um, article, these are some of the principal findings. Uh, most of the findings in this report are based on a nationally representative survey of 1,534 U.S. adults conducted uh, back in May. I don't know. Uh, but now, bringing it to current things, uh, we see that Democrats pulled off the largest midterm elections victory in history, according to a breakdown of the popular vote in races and also for, for the House of Representatives. Uh, the party leads the Republicans by more than 8.9 million votes across the U.S., uh, this is compiled by Cook Political Report, an independent nonpartisan partisan. That's like my that's my that's how I talk <laughs> I thought, in Boston. I thought uh, you said nonpartisan. 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 Go go Sox. Uh, political. <laughs> and I have a Sox fan here. <laughs> Red Sox. Uh, previously, the margin of victory was eight point seven million, which came in nineteen seventy four midterm elections after the Watergate yeah. scandal and Richard Nixon's resignation. It means the party is on the uh, it literally is on the brink of flipping 40 seats in the House, reaffirming the emerging assessment that this month's midterms amounted to a blue wave. So now we have the House, which is going to be a check. We'll talk more about how that that works a little bit. And and then the question arose. It's been in the news about who would be the speaker of the House now that Ryan is is gone. And uh, and it comes to uh, whether Nancy Pelosi is going to take up the reins as speaker again. She was speaker before, and, and and there was a little, you know, back and forth going on about that. But, um, Wayne, what say you about this topic? Well, you know, I had, um, I had mixed emotions about uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, and there was an article in The Atlantic about the, uh, the Nancy Pelosi problem. And uh, it is a problem for the Democrats. But, uh, you know, I started to look at her record as Speaker of the House, uh, which she was before, and as a um, minority leader in the um, in the House of Representatives. Uh, but when she was Speaker of the House, um, you know, George Bush, George W., came into office after his uh, big victory in his second term, and he was pushing the privatization of uh, Social Security, which a lot of people, of course, had concerns about. And then uh, Nancy Pelosi rallied the Democrats, and for the entire congressional year, uh, she held off George W. and the Republican, uh, you know, um, position of privatizing Social Security and putting retirement benefits in the 401ks and of course then came the great uh, crash in 207 or 207 207 208 yeah. and you know everybody's uh, retirement funds would have been totally depleted uh and then of course she has had some other uh, you know significant victories and um you know she uh supported the uh the stimulus package that President Obama was behind, and she rallied all of the Democrats, including the, um, you know, the very conservative blue dog Democrats down south who are, uh, you know, they don't want any kind of deficit spending. And she managed to pass that entire stimulus bill through the House without any Republican votes. 
And recently, the uh, Brookings Institute called Pelosi the strongest and most effective speaker of modern times. Yeah, it's yes. sort of, it, that, well, that's was, pretty awesome. Actually, I was thinking I th- I had read somewhere that she has been just so vilified by the Republicans that even Democrats started to sort of see her that way and not really understanding, like you you're noting, how much she actually has done. Yeah, and, and also um, I, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Okay, uh, Politico called her the most successful non-presidential political fundraiser in U.S. history. But you know, in in recent times, of course, the uh, almost all Republican ads tied Democratic candidates to Nancy Pelosi uh, during this midterm election. Right, like it was such a bad thing. Right. Yeah, including you know uh, the local candidates. That's all they talked about. Yeah. Which led uh, you know one Democrat from New York, uh, Kathleen Rice, to say. You know, it's been an attack on our leader. Is it fair? No. Are the attacks accurate? No. But guess what? They, they work. work. Right. The The problem comes with uh, the fact that, uh, you know, why is Nancy Pelosi so unpopular? Because powerful women politicians usually are. Uh, what is that saying? Oh, well-behaved women rarely make history. That one? Yeah, right. <laughs> So, you know, as Nancy Pelosi goes about doing her job, but because she's a woman, you know, they don't like her. And our current uh, commander in chief is particularly uh, not fond of uh, strong, uh, forceful, aggressive women. There could be a battle in the House for the speakership. Uh, There is currently a a member of the uh, Black Caucus. Congressman Clyburn, that's fine. I'm Congressman sure. Clyburn. There you go. Uh, and, of course, if he would be elected to the uh, speakership, he would be the first black member of Congress to be elected. Uh, but he will not challenge Nancy Pelosi unless she indicates that she's no longer interested. Which she hasn't, right? No, but she said she's looking towards the future and she wants to groom the necessary people to... Um, or the necessary individual to take over one day as a leader of the Democratic Party, but, you know, someone from the next generation, right, not right. a 75 or 80-year-old uh, right, politician who's been around for a long time. And, um, you know, so that's her strategy. So for me personally, someone who went into this thinking that there's no way in hell that Nancy Pelosi should ever be elected Speaker of the House again I have now come to the conclusion that perhaps because of her strategic... Her abilities, strategery. right? Yeah, her strategic abilities that uh, she is probably the best qualified candidate to be Speaker of the House. Yeah, I, I agree. I think probably most of us don't know her actual scorecard and what she has accomplished. It's pretty It's pretty amazing and it is when you look at it. Uh, yeah. uh, it's impressive and... Again, um, Wayne is right. I mean, she. I believe you know she should continue. I, I I was a little skeptical at first, but now we really need someone with experience, and she has it, and well, she's gonna groom someone. Yeah, she said that it's gonna happen. But right now, in this crazy you know government we're dealing with, we need her leadership, and uh, 
I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that it comes to fruition. I, I believe it will. I, well, I and, think she's going to be there. And I think what Wayne was, was saying before about someone with her strategic abilities, <laughs> as we came up with, it's really the experience. It's it's We need someone right now who is, because we're in the most divided and polarized government. I, I'm sure it's been this bad before, but in my lifetime, I don't recall. Yeah, me too. And so we need someone who is able to really negotiate and navigate these crazy ways. And, and, and as much as I'd also like to see someone in the next generation step in, now might not be the perfect time for that. This is true. <laughs> right? So there were so... Oh, go she, ahead. But she has proven uh, that she has the ability to uh, rally the troops, and she is probably uh, one of the best vote counters that has ever been uh, the leader of any political party in the history of uh, the Congress. Wow, that's mm. well. That's so in, that's impressive for mm-hmm. sure. So speaking of historical uh, firsts, sort of segueing there, <laughs> uh, there were so many firsts that came through this particular midterm. Not only it being one of a record-breaking turnout, right? I don't know if it was record-breaking, but it was big. Uh, the number of women, we've all been hearing about the number of women who are now uh, in Congress and uh, in the Senate. A, let's see, there's at least 100 women in the House now and 12 in the Senate. So this is uh, progress, right? Absolutely. There's also uh, seven scientists, uh, a lot of veterans. Yeah. Um, I know one... One new new congresswoman is uh, worked at the CIA. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The first to me, well, the first one of the biggest first I think is the diversity of all of this now. Yes, yes. Well, we have the first uh, Muslim woman, Rashida. Tlai- I'm absolutely going to butcher their names. There's two women, uh, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I got that right. My apologies. And uh, and Tlaib is the first Palestinian American, so uh, Omar is the first Somali American. So and then they have this the young woman from New York, mm-hmm. uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Right, she lived in Westchester County, where I am. Is that living. where she's representing? No, she no. she she lived there. She oh, went okay. to uh, yeah. high school there, and uh, I did not realize that until I read an article. She is. I really like her too. She's really exciting, right? She's only twenty six years I, old. She's the youngest. She's the youngest uh, woman elected. And then we have like Sharice uh, Davids became the first openly gay representative from Kansas. Go Kansas. Along with Deb Holland, uh, they both became the first Native American women. That's elected that's really, to Congress. That's really something. Well, and it's it, come on. Mm-hmm. Has it been a little too long? Thank God. They had the largest uh, voter turnout in history in the uh, reservations in uh, both North and South Dakota this year. Yeah, and it one, sounded they like they were, they were trying to off, suppress obviously. some of those votes. North Dakota were yeah. trying to just cancel them all out. Yeah, they didn't have a uh, an address. And they couldn't use a P.O. box that they've been using forever. So, yeah, voter suppression was definitely a big issue uh, that but I hope they can fix. long time coming for the Native Americans to be more represented in our government. Colorado's Jared Polis became the first openly gay governor. 
Uh, yay. And uh, let's see. And, uh, and by the way, I'm reading these from our, our friends at Small Victories mm-hmm. Newsletter. Right, and Stephanie there's just and pages of, of really great, if you care about diversity and if you care about, you know, good representation, mm-hmm. this is all really good news. Uh, Juliana Stratton became Illinois' first black, black lieutenant governor. Chris Pappas won the House race, becoming the first openly gay congressman in New Hampshire. Uh, Ayanna Presley became the first black person representing Massachusetts in the House of Representatives. Oh, I love this one. Wait, this is a good one. Nineteen black women ran in Houston's judicial races, and every single one was elected. Right. Right? That's amazing. Right. what? Why are you making a face, Wayne? Why are you making a face? Like uh, it's hard to believe. It is hard to believe. It, it is hard to believe, and 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 it, it's awesome to to know that that's happening. So there's changes, you know, going on. People are, the mindset's changing a bit. Uh, so well, that's and positive. So many communities I know locally, we we're watching some communities go from red to blue. There's a little purple happening there. And I know Wayne, you know, we have a, a, a son that lives in Orange County, right. Wayne's son, Brian. And that's California, Orange County. Not yep. to be confused with right, right, Orange right. County, New York. So Wayne, what say you? So, well, I really don't have much to say about it, but uh, Brian uh, gave me some interesting statistics. Um, you know, when I lived in California back in the 80s, uh, Orange County was very, very conservative and very, very Republican. But it has become, you know, a much younger, more diverse uh, and socially uh, tolerant uh, population there today. And the Republicans uh, in Orange County, you know, they're, they're, they couldn't see this change coming because they focused only on their uh, traditional uh, right-wing issues in, in their base. Um, today, Latinos make up uh, 35% of the Orange County population. Asians make up 21%. So non-Hispanic whites account for only 40% of the population of Orange County. So that's a significant change over the past uh, 15, 20 years. And another uh, key factor, of course, uh, as uh, Max and I were talking about before we went on the air, is that, um, you know, the um, the tax reform package that was passed uh, had a significant effect on Orange County uh, homeowners because they uh, no longer are able to deduct their um, mortgage interests from their federal and state taxes. And that, uh, that really had a significant effect on the outcome of... Uh, the homeowners and you know the prices of homes in Orange County are outrageous. So whereas this might not be a factor, the tax reform uh, bill that was passed may not be a factor in Kansas or Oklahoma or Missouri or South Carolina or Mississippi. It's significant in the Northeast and the West. Uh, one of the most significant uh, defeats came down to. Um, one of uh, Donald Trump's favorite supporters and a huge, um, huge advocate of uh, the Russians and, and uh, Putin, uh, Donna Rohrbacher, uh, lost her seat, or Dana Rohrbacher it's lost his seat. Yeah. yeah, lost his seat. Excuse me. Yeah, Dana. Rohrbacher. After uh, 15 terms in the House of Representatives, and he lost it to a very little-known Democrat. 
by seven percentage points. Wow. So uh, he got his butt kicked. Hmm. Some of them didn't get their butt kicked, and so, rightly so. Yeah, so it's a good representation of what may be happening in some areas that have been traditionally very Well, difficult. after, uh, you know, in his case, uh, you know, after 15 terms in Congress, you feel like you've got a uh, right. seat for life, Permanent and he didn't pay, didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the election, and uh, guess what happened? Well, that should be encouraging to anybody out there who's feeling like, gee, I can't run because I've got an incumbent that's uh, recumbent. <laughs> an incumbent that's recumbent. Yes, Reclining that, in their or seat. Those, yes, we, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of that. I mean, people just, uh, I think people are mad. And I think the issues that were really um, touched on uh, which led to this blue wave were health care and, and gun reform and, and taxes and immigration. And those those particular issues really struck a chord. And the Dems, you know, they went with it on a local level. That was, I think, the, the game plan. They Instead of having any kind of national, you know, message, which they were really floundering with, I think whoever was in the back of this, and I really think Obama and and Eric Holder and and Biden and, and, yeah. Biden and the 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 other you know indivis, indivisible and, and gun safety you know a lot of the, they stuck to particular you know issues that were affecting their communities, and I think they actually listened. Well, I think there's a lot of exhausted people that pushed really hard and make made things happen. So now we've had our blue wave, or if you want to call it a blue flood as a blue tide. It sort of didn't happen overnight, right? It seemed like it's it rolled for a few weeks until some of these races, because there was such a big turnout and so many recounts, and which is all good. But what does it mean going forward? What is it really going to mean? And Wayne, you had some thoughts on that. On the, uh, the results, the lessons learned yeah. from, the, uh, yeah. from the election. Well, you know, you can you, you could hear a lot of different people saying a lot of things. You know, there were five lessons that we learned. There were 12 lessons that we learned. You know, every newspaper and magazine and um, cable TV network had their own spin on it, including Fox. And, you know, right after the election, as we all know, that... Um, it really wasn't that significant. So the the folks at Fox really played it down. And then when it started to gain a little bit of momentum and some of the results came in from California and some other places, uh, then Fox stopped talking about it and they found other things to talk about. But, <laughs> you know, some of the lessons that we learned are that, uh, you know, as, as Max has said, uh, checks and balances will return to Washington. See you. Elijah Cummings uh, will become the chairman of the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform, and there will be an awful lot of scrutiny into the president's um, business affairs, maybe his tax returns, and maybe a lot of other people. Oh, you in mean the that twenty-page article that New York Times dug into about yeah, his taxes yeah. that nobody seemed to care about before? So there will be a lot of uh, oversight. And a lot of scrutiny into uh, what's going on in the White House and the executive branch of government, which is 
gone totally uh, unchallenged up to this point. However, uh, you know, also the Senate will be confirming a lot of new judges. That will um, have a significant effect on the courts for many years. Uh, the blue wave, as it is called, washed up in uh, some very weird places. Uh, Orange County, California being one. Oklahoma being another place. Uh, and the third thing we learned is that, um, you know, don't sit back and put your feet up and relax because the Trump uh, 2020 election map is still okay, according to uh, the midterms. And um, that's not good news uh, for progressives in the country. Uh, there were some significant progressive policy wins in some very conservative states. Uh, there were a number of uh, ballot measures that were on the ballot, a constitutional amendment to grant almost 1.5 ex-felons their voting rights passed in Florida, and at the same time, Idaho, Nebraska, and Utah all passed uh, Medicare expansion programs, and um, all these states uh, were won by Republicans across the board except for these progressive uh, ballot initiatives. On a downside, in Washington, there was a much-heralded uh, implement of the carbon tax law, which failed, and the uh, environmentalist uh, had put in a significant uh, effort in the state of Washington to pass that, and it failed. Uh, however, after looking at all these results, we can, uh, as I said, we cannot sit back and put our feet up and relax. The battle is not over. And we cannot afford to fall into any sort of a state of complacency. In case uh, any of you have failed to notice, the free press is still under attack by the president. Uh, and also he refuses to, uh, to condemn those uh, responsible for murdering uh, the reporter uh, uh, Jamel Khashoggi from the um, Washington Post. Uh, just yesterday, he refused to accept the findings of the CIA that the crown prince of uh, Saudi Arabia was involved in the, uh, in the murder. And um, once again, we can uh, consider that the commercial and monetary uh, considerations uh, are more important than... Um, the, the humane considerations. Uh, you know, when I was uh, reminded of something uh, that was said by Thomas Jefferson, and uh, Jefferson said that we have been firmly convinced and we act on the conviction that with nations as well as individuals, our interests soundly calculated, we will ever be found inseparable from our moral duties. And um, our moral duty is not to overlook the murder of any individual, whether he, he or she be a reporter or an ordinary citizen. You know, there should be an investigation into this as well as uh, several other areas. I guess on that note, is do you have any um, final yeah, words I, there, I, Max? I do. I think that um, I'm happy that, that young people... We're engaged more than ever before. Yes. I'm happy that millions of people voted, despite the fact that there have been so many uh, suppression efforts and, and 
and especially in Georgia. Uh, I mean, Abrams lost, but she's still fighting on. Uh, and, and and just knowing that they had the, the wherewithal to like go forward and try to try to fight this is, is a big thing. Uh, knowing that, uh, I mean, there's going to be a showdown between Trump and, and, and the Congress in, in January. And and at this point, you know, Adam Schiff, who he called an explicative in a tweet, um, he's <laughs> going to be in charge of the Intelligence Committee. Uh, Joe, Jerry Nadler is going to be in charge of the Judiciary. Uh, Maxine Waters, like all of his targets are going to be in charge of committees now. And we still haven't heard from Mueller, <laughs> you know, so there's there's a lot at play. But as 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 Wayne said, we can't be complacent and we need to keep moving because 2020 we want to get someone in the White House who's not this person. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I a just nice say, uh, you know, I'm just happy people are getting more involved in voting and, and there's a lot of issues and there's a lot of work to be done. And, and so we'll see what happens. Some progress. Mm -hmm. Keep at it, people. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of GD Politics. We really do want to hear from you. Please find us at thegreendivas.com or write to us, politics at thegreendivas.com. Otherwise, you'll hear and see us in all the regular places. Meanwhile, stay positive, get active, and whatever you do, please exercise your right to vote in every election. 